Hey, expats and travelers, welcome to this week's episode sponsored by WorldPost.io, the virtual mailbox service powered by Anytime Mailbox. We'll get to the features and benefits a little later. If you're interested in becoming an expat, whether you're moving to Portugal or another overseas location, I highly recommend you get your finances in order before you move. Yes, it's actually really important that you do it before you go. I know when we first got started, we did not do it that way. But if we knew John McNertney at Green Ocean Global, we would have gone to him as he's someone that is Lisbon-based and he is experienced with expat financial challenges. So he's a go-to person that we recommend. Right, he can help you with long-term investments, financial systems, and international taxes. And he's actually helped us and producer Dan has used him to explore what it would be like to move abroad and see if it would fit his family's current financial situation. I think what's great about him is that he gives you personalized plans. He will look into your unique situation and he'll help you out. And this is honestly what's super necessary because we get tax questions and finance questions on the YouTube channel and literally no background from the person that's asking us the question. So now we've started to point people to John. Right, because everyone is different and everyone has their own unique situation. So you need an expert to help you out. All right, so visit greenoceanglobal.net for contact information and further assistance. Check out the show notes below. Hello, and welcome, my emerging expat. You're tuned in to Let's Move to Portugal. I'm producer Dan, and I have the distinct honor of bringing you, YouTube travelers and our resident Portugal experts, expats everywhere's Kaylee and Josh. Each week, they'll inspire, they'll educate, and they'll accompany you on your journey to Portuguese residency. This week on Let's Move to Portugal, Josh and I sit down with Ross from the Our Continuing Adventure YouTube channel. Ross and his wife have been living in Portugal for just shy of a year, and he's got some amazing feedback on how they've been able to incorporate themselves into their new home country. I really enjoyed Ross and this conversation. I think you will too. Stick around. Kaylee, Josh, listener, hello. Here we are, episode one. We made it. Hello, producer Dan. We sure have. That's right. What may have felt like the very beginning of this show to you, listener, in reality is the culmination of several months of emails and meetings across multiple time zones and one giant ocean to bring us here. But we are so excited to finally get going on this. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Kaylee and Josh, tell us what you've been up to. Well, Dan, we've actually done a lot of traveling here lately. We've been able to take Valencia, our two-year-old daughter, soon to be three, uh, to a variety of places, and she's checked out a couple new countries. The most recent has been Morocco, and then also we're currently in France. And then in a few days, we head to Monaco. So just adding to her list, because her birthday is at the beginning of January. And so we said from the very beginning, we would do something fun every year for her birthday and maybe be in a different uh, part of the world or a different country. So that's what we're doing right now. Another thing that we've done is uh, we've, we've kind of taken the, the back end of December to collect ourselves and just get ready for the new year. As we have a lot of new stuff planned and some exciting stuff that we have coming up. We're really excited about this podcast, for one. Um, it's, it's just been awesome to get to sit down with different podcast guests and interview them and hear their stories. That's been uh, a lot of fun. 
The other thing is that we have taken a YouTube course to get better at YouTube and create more engaging content and try to just help more people make the move from the U.S. or wherever they are, really, to Portugal. Right. So our current channel, Expats Everywhere, focuses a lot more on Portugal, but then we also launched a different channel called Expats Everywhere Explorers. It's good for those who live in Portugal as well or really anywhere all over the world because it helps with traveling or if you're interested in any other cities or countries, you can take a look at that channel. But then another cool thing that we've kind of regrouped and decided to do at the beginning of 2023 is we're also starting a newsletter. Oh, yeah, that's right. We are starting a newsletter. I've been pushing Kaylee to do that for a while. I think it's a great opportunity for us to share things that are not really uh, easy to put into content in terms of YouTube or even in, in, in podcast form, um, but things that are quick and things that we're able to put into the newsletter to help share what it's like uh, moving to Portugal and living in Portugal. Yep. So a lot of great content coming out the beginning of 2023 we're excited about. Oh man, you guys have been busy. That all sounds fantastic. I think it's fair to say that the listener and I are a bit jealous of all your recent travels though. <laughs> well, Dan, you'll be here soon enough. And we can't wait. Josh, this week, you and I sat down with Ross. Now, you all have known Ross as part of the expat community for a while now, right? Yeah, actually, we have. Um, interesting about Ross and Kathleen, his wife, is that they were patrons of ours on Patreon, and they reached out to us just after they moved to Portugal. We met up with them uh, and had dinner with them and uh, just got to know them a bit better. And then over the past several months, we have been able to meet up with them, different lunches, and they show us their favorite spots. We show them our favorite dining places, and we just catch up. They've also been to some of the meetups that we host in Porto, so that's been cool. But yeah, we've definitely gotten to know them over the past year or so. Yeah, they just jumped right in and are really loving the culture in Portugal, and they are so great when people ask questions. They want to help, so it's nice to send people along to them who are wondering what it's like retiring in Portugal. That's right, and they've started a YouTube channel as well, just kind of sharing their experiences. Great couple. Yeah, great couple. A lot of fun. Well, I really enjoyed Ross and his outlook on life. I absolutely loved the conversation. Mom, so glad. Uh, Ross is a fantastic guy. Fair warning to you, listener. Grab a snack now. Josh and Ross got off on quite a tangent about some of their favorite restaurants. This one made me hungry. Oh, that's really funny. I haven't heard this one yet, so I'm actually excited to see what restaurants they talk about. So let's roll it. And we will, right after this. Worldpost.io is powered by Anytime Mailbox, which means you can get your mail anytime, anywhere, even on your smartphone. And they really have competitive pricing with their lowest package starting at $5 per month. Here's a cool feature they have. World Post can relay things from the U.S. to Europe. So that includes documents. <laughs> Amazon purchases. Amazon the purchases. US. <laughs> and you can get it to Portugal. And they have a variety of packages. Some include secure shredding, free junk mail filters, and things like that. I bet you love that junk mail filter. Oh, lots of junk mail. I sign up for a lot of newsletters. <laughs> She's not joking. So if you're interested in worldpost.io, you can visit the website or check the link in the show notes below. Okay, let's talk about Lusitana Dreams because what they're offering is really great. Yeah, it definitely is. And Dallas actually has grown Lusitano Dreams since we first met him. So he's really getting his process dialed in. 
The thing that I like about it is it removes the barrier and, and choke point of the proof of accommodation because that's been one of the biggest things that the D7 and the D8 for the, like the long-term people have had problems with, right? Yeah, it's definitely something that is really hard to lock yourself into sight unseen. But here you can have a legitimate contract. You can rest assured that it's going to be a soft landing because you're coming into a furnished place in a good location and a livable location until you can kind of get your bearings and figure out where you really want to live. And the cool thing about it is that they can start your lease when you arrive. So you're not like burning a few months of, of cash essentially paying for an apartment or paying for a lease that you're not using. Yeah, that's one that's really hard to negotiate, trying to get a lease that starts when you want to arrive and not when you are actually applying. So the fact that they offer that as a service to where you're not, like you said, burning those months saves you a lot of money. Yep, Lusitano Dreams offers visa-friendly proof of accommodation. So that could be for the D7 visa or the D8 visa. And their properties include detached houses, apartments, room rentals as well in different locations like Lisbon, Cascais, Lule, and they're expanding too. So uh, soon to be Porto and quite possibly Silver Coast. Yeah, which is really exciting. So check out Lusitano Dreams for more information. We have a link in the show notes below. Ross, thank you so much for joining me here. One of the most fascinating things as I've gotten to know you mm -hmm. and your wife, one of the most fascinating things I've found is how much you want to assimilate into Portugal. So let's start at the very beginning and tell us what compelled you to pick up your life and move from the U.S. to Portugal. Yeah, good question. You know, one of the things is that since about 2010, we have wanted to move to Europe. We were looking at Canada as well. Quebec, so French-Canadian area, and France was big on our list. And after spending a lot of time there, what we came to realize is that we wanted a lifestyle that allowed us to feel more part of it. And I mean, just like the idea of going to the grocery store on a daily basis, living, living closer to the community, walking, that's one of the big things for us was not having to own a vehicle. And living in Europe, we felt really accommodated that. And just the idea that after we looked at moving to Portugal was that we could actually afford to live here on our retirement income and live very well. And that meant not necessarily living an American lifestyle, but adjusting and looking at how we could assimilate into the Portuguese lifestyle and what that meant cost-wise for us on a daily basis. It has just been, it has been great. Awesome. Well, yeah, the, the assimilation side of things, when people do assimilate to Portugal, they're able to cut their costs down. So like you said, you're able to really, really stretch whatever retirement funds you have. Let's add a little more context to this. What state are you from? Oh, my gosh. So the last state we were in was Texas. Okay. And before that was California. Okay. We're originally from St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, we had a farm for 12 years in the uh, kingdom of Vermont. <laughs> we lived in Portland, Maine for eight years. Um, we lived in Colorado. We lived in New Hampshire. We lived in Minnesota. I think that's um, okay. So we have a, a broad sense of, of the United States, I think. Yeah, it sounds like it. Okay, so you were in Texas right before you moved. What were you doing there? We were actually living grandparents, and uh, we had moved from Portland, Maine to California to be living grandparents for our youngest daughter and, and son-in-law for the arrival of their first child, our second grandson. 
And we had made that decision years ago that if any of our kids ever asked, we would go in a heartbeat. And it was definitely a lot different for us. We were very isolated just for the fact that you can't walk anywhere to go do anything. Mm. Yes, we could walk around the block and stuff like that. But if you needed to do anything, you needed to jump in a car. And same thing with Texas. We were all working at home and we were all confined during COVID, which brought this discussion up about where would you like to live next? All of our kids and our son-in-laws are all world travelers. So we had this deep discussion. That's what got us on to looking at Portugal. They bought a house in Texas because the pricing was good at that time. And like I said, they could work from home. And our other daughter and son-in-law live in Austin, Texas. So we all moved there. That's where we were last. Uh, we were in the process of getting ready to apply for our D7, which also made it a lot better because we were able to apply through the D.C. office being in Texas. Nice. Other, otherwise, we'd have to go, on, go through San Francisco. <laughs> okay, nice. So this is starting to put some of the puzzle pieces together. You recognized that you wanted a life that was car-free, and you were able to get a little more entrenched in the culture. You had traveled and explored parts of Canada and saw definitely parts of Quebec that feel European. So you're like an eye on Europe sitting around at home because of COVID. I totally understand (laughs) where all of this is coming from. So who did you move with? Tell us about that. My wife, Kathleen, who I'd call my adventure queen, that's one of the things we focus on, about always being on an adventure, especially when things get tough. We'll look at each other and say, okay, so what adventure are we on right now? And it keeps us focused on living a fun life. Even if it's going to the grocery store, it can be adventure looking for stuff there, especially moving to another country because a lot of things are different. Speaking of moving to another country, you looked at Canada. You also took a deep dive into Portugal, which is where you eventually moved. Anywhere else that you thought of, you know, seriously, Spain, maybe? France was actually the top on our list. Okay. We actually did two exploratories there. We lived in uh, Brittany for a month, mm-hmm. went there in, in uh, Dinan, and then also Nice. We spent a month there to see how it felt. Spain wasn't really on the list, but I don't think it would be a place that we would not go to. We walked the Camino Francais in 2012. Uh, starting in France and all the way across Spain, like 500 miles. And so we got to experience talking to a lot of uh, Spaniards, and we also got to experience a lot of the small hill towns Mm -hmm. as we walked. So it was uh, quite an experience as well. So that helped reinforce our desire to come back to Europe. All of our relatives left Europe to come to the United States. And so this was us getting the sense of, hey, maybe it's time to go back. So Okay. You had seen France, you had seen Spain from doing the Camino. How about Portugal? Had you been to Portugal before? We had never been here. Okay. We we came sight unseen. So then why Portugal? We had some friends uh, in California that are looking at moving here as well. And we started researching that from what they said. So we started watching your videos. We started watching Our Rich Journey. And we started watching Lisbon Diaries. And what stood out to us was... A lot of the key points about the quality of life, healthcare, cost of living, education, and the people, particularly in Portugal. Everybody we heard talked about how wonderful the people in Portugal are. That has, that has not been wrong. Awesome. What was the process like for you to get your visa and move? And let's start with the visa first. And if you can give us some dates, because I know things have changed since you moved. They've changed since we've moved. So what was it like? I would say it was relatively simple. Mm -hmm. First, getting all the, the pieces together, like getting the fingerprints, 
finding uh, travel insurance and finding a place to live because right at that time it was changing from like three months to six months to having a 12-month lease. Yep. Fortunately, at the time, there were a lot of apartments available. That's right. And I worked the hell out of Idealista. <laughs> it was great because there was a lot to work with. What is Idealista? Idealista is, in my simplest understanding, like a listing agent for properties that are either being sold or leased. Yeah. And so you can put your parameters in there, like the size of an apartment, a one bedroom, a two bedroom, a studio, price range. Some of the stuff for us was like making sure we had a balcony, making sure we had a washing machine and making sure we had a lift uh, elevator because we wanted to be up on an upper floor. Mm -hmm. So we did everything on our own that way. We contacted the landlord. We did a lot of translation back and forth online with the lease and finally got to a place that we felt relatively comfortable with, even though you're working with somebody that you've never met and they're on the other side of the pond. Yep. But it all worked out. So getting the pieces together, making sure you had everything that was uh, asked of you to submit, filling out some of the forms for the Portuguese government. But once we submitted, I think we submitted on the 1st of December, 2021, and we had our approval, I think, December 20th. So you're coming up on a year. Right. But the visa was approved in like 20 days. Okay, great. And it was fast. And then it was like, okay, this is real. It's time to go. Yeah. How long did it, it take you from deciding and then getting your visa application and everything submitted? Some people it takes 14 days. Other people it takes months. Oh, I would say from the time we decided and, and we said, okay, we're going to start doing this. Mm -hmm. I think that's about the time we arrived in Texas. So we started putting things together. So I'd say we spent probably like four months, okay. you know, pulling the pieces together and researching what we wanted, the different, like the insurance. Yep. A lot of people, you know, the insurance you looked at was pricey. It was like twelve, fourteen hundred dollars $1,400 for the two of us. And we're both over 70 yep. when we're getting ready to do this. So that is another wrinkle. But then I found, and it wasn't talked about much, AXA out of Belgium. Okay. They specifically focus on the visa process. And it was like $340 for the two of us for six months. And they didn't throw in all the bells and whistles like lost luggage and delayed trip. My visa card took care of that. So I recommend them all the time to people that are looking for quote unquote travel insurance. Yeah. So, so it was travel insurance and not international medical coverage. Right. Yep. It was the coverage that the D7 visa process was looking for. Cool. And it, it covered those bases. It had repatriation. It yeah. had all of that. Yeah. Cool. It had all those those pieces. What resources helped you fill out the visa itself? You had that four-month time when you were getting all your pieces together. Were there any resources that you found helpful in that process? Yes. One in particular was Josh and Kaylee. They have the, their course on putting the your visa material together and submitting for your visa. Who are they? I've never heard of them. <laughs> There's some, this crazy couple that they took their kid and travel across the world. And, you know, <laughs> um, it's what we do. <laughs> it's what they do. And also our rich journey, which is another husband and wife team. They focus more on the, the financial aspect of life, yeah. but they chose Portugal as well. It's kind of like a good check between what we were hearing from different people. Josh and Kaylee, expats everywhere, really lined up in step with our rich journey and vice versa. So that was assuring. Nice. Okay. So let's talk a bit about shipping and logistics. Did you actually ship anything? And what did you do with your material possessions if you needed to leave stuff behind? We shipped nothing. Okay. We arrived with four suitcases yep. and a couple of carry-ons. 
My recommendation to anybody would be to downsize as much as possible. Mm -hmm. you know, and we got a furnished department. So a lot of things that we knew we would need were already here. But at the same time, I think not bringing much with you frees you up. The more stuff you have tends to tie you down, especially we figured Porto would be where we wanted to live. Mm -hmm. But we're starting to explore now other cities. And who knows if we want to go live somewhere else for a year. I don't want to have to be dragging a whole houseload of things with me. That's right. So that is our approach. I just think it made the process for us a lot simpler. And somewhere in my head, I feel like if you bring everything that you own from home, what you're going to tend to do is recreate home here rather than saying, oh, I need to go down to my local hardware person and ask them about, oh, I need this in the apartment. Or there's several places that you can get towels and sheets and blankets. And if you need something like that, it helps you familiarize yourself with your neighbors and your local business people. And at the same time, it supports the neighborhood, the economy. Yeah, I mean, I think this just highlights how much you care to assimilate. And we know some people in a lot of the countries that we've lived, we know the type of person that wants to kind of recreate home there. And yeah. it can be a little dangerous doing that. It can be dangerous because you're living in a different place. There are certain things that you might want at home as creature comforts, but just trying to transplant life, it can be dangerous doing that. Kudos to you guys for assimilating so well. One simple thing that I've brought up a few times with people is that Kathleen, my wife, is a tremendous cook. And when we had the farm in Vermont, of course, we raised chickens, ducks, geese. You know, we had it all. And we did a lot of our own processing. So Portugal being a big soup country, mm. she's, you know, got into making the soups that are here. And she was in the store looking for, she got in the habit once we were in, in uh, uh, not on the farm anymore, looking for the Tetra Packs of chicken stock. Mm -hmm. You're not going to find that here. What you're going to find is you're going to find a package of chicken feet, chicken gizzards, wings, chicken parts. That's your stock. You take that home, you make your chicken stock out of that. You know I mean, today we just picked up a whole package of chicken feet. And chicken feet make the best chicken stock. Good collagen. Yeah. And so, you know, when you're looking at, oh, I got to recreate home and people, oh, I can't find chicken stock. Well, yeah, you can find it. It's just not in the form that you're used to. Right on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's switch gears a bit. Sure. Let's talk about finances. How do you guys support yourself financially here? We have our social security and pension okay. from one of the companies I had worked for. We have some other savings and investment and stuff, mm -hmm. but we have focused on just using that that comes in. and. So far, our monthly expenses have gone in between 1,800 to 2,000 euros a month. And that's with housing? That's everything. Okay. That's housing, that's Wi-Fi, phones, electricity, water, health insurance, groceries, dining out, uh, household items, and miscellaneous. Awesome. That doesn't include travel. I've separated that out just to see how that works. In particular, we went back to the U.S. in September. Yeah. That trip, the total cost for that, including like what we weren't spending here, was about $3,000. Okay. So, and one of the things we found out when we went back is how expensive food is and wine. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to wine I, in a minute. Yeah, yeah. But our, our budget has stayed close to 1,800 euros awesome. a month. It'll bump up just depending on if we go out to eat a few more times, you know, up to around uh, 2000 a month. So very affordable. And that, and that includes transportation too, like the metro and, and the bus and stuff. What are some money-saving tips that you have for people? For me, I think 18 is a great number to be at. 
I think we're fortunate in that our rent is 600 a month. We got that a year ago and it's going to go up to 650 in February, which still is working. But we have a very small place. I think we have like 350 square feet here. So our place is small, but it's just the two of us. And when you look at the Portuguese culture, in my short experience, they spend a lot of time outside. When a family gets together for dinner, they'll go to their local restaurant and either sit outside or inside a group of 8, 10, 14 people. And I think that's part of the culture to not necessarily gather at home, but to go out and get together. So we have a couple of key items. One is a, a balcony, and it overlooks the Prasa here of where we get to experience uh, life in the neighborhood every single day and sometimes late into the evening. So in your opinion, what is a realistic budget for, for someone that's moving over to Portugal? With thinking of, of cost of housing right now, I still think you'd be good somewhere maybe around 2200 in Porto. In Porto, mm -hmm. right. I have searches going on like in Viana do Castelo and in Braga, you know, just to see what pops up. There's not as many as when we were searching back in October, November of 2021, yep. but they're still there. Mm -hmm. One will come up for like uh, 600 euros, uh, one bedroom in a, in a relatively good location in town. So one of my guesses is that with coming out of COVID, landlords and property owners are trying to adjust to either losing money during that time and trying to make up for it mm. or mm. trying to figure out what the market will bear at the moment. Right. Yeah. Because demand is up for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that you brought up Viana Castello and Braga because those are two cities up in the north that are really starting to get some eyes on it. Braga's yeah. already had eyeballs on it. Braga has won awards over the past few years in terms of being like a medium size or small city that is extremely livable. A lot of foreigners by percentage, I think, are flocking there. Mm -hmm. It's massively popular among Brazilians. And inventory is very low because of that. You can still buy properties there, but renting is difficult. Right. Viana do Castelo, on the other hand, I think is maybe the hidden gem of the north. Let's talk about Viana do Castelo. Yeah. I mean, we just got back from it. We went there for my, my birthday. In fact, we're getting ready to do a post about Viana do Castelo as well because it's like a storybook, but very livable. We stayed at an Airbnb on the Casa de Republica, right in the middle of town. Yep. You're like five minutes from the train station, six minutes from the bus terminal. We never made it up the hill to um, some, I uh, can't think of the name of The church, the monastery the or whatever. Yeah, yeah the, the funicular, the it was broke. So it was probably a good thing. We spent a lot of time right in town. Twisty, windy streets, very quaint, extremely friendly. Mm. Everybody we talked with in great what I call mom and pop paterias, cafes, where, you know, a good uh, pratudia plate of the day for like 450 euros. Mm -hmm. There's pretty good green space there too, down along the, the river yeah. and the ocean from where we were in the center of town. It's just a mile walk away. That's right. Now some people go, oh my God, you know, that's a long way. No, it's not. It's a very easy walk. Pleasant walk. And you're right on the beach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Viana do Castello completely took us aback. Mm. We we had heard things about it. Then we finally visited. Yeah. And I was thinking, man, this town has got it all. The one thing which differentiates it for me from Porto is the size. I prefer like a, a nice medium-sized city. I don't like the, mm -hmm. the size and the energy of Lisbon. And I've found I've found actually over the past few years, I've been drawn more to these smaller places, right? Right. These medium-sized cities, let's say. But Viana do Castello has got it all. 
it doesn't get international acts. So if you're into the music scene or you're into like major sports, mm. that's going to be lacking. True. However, you do have the ability to get down to Porto pretty easily, get over to Braga, go up north. You're actually closer to the Spanish border. So to Spain. That's awesome, right? Yes. You can get the high-speed train out of Valencia to Madrid. Yep. We just felt like there was a very good range of culture and entertainment there. Mm -hmm. My daughters and son-in-laws gave me birthday money to spend there. And then they also treated us to the Airbnb, which was nice. But there's a Michelin star restaurant. There is. Right there by the fort. It was excellent. It still wasn't that private. Kathleen and I went there. We had the catch of the day. I think we had sea bass grilled and we had a nice bottle of wine. We had dessert. We had the fish soup is supposed to be to die for. We had that. It is. And it was like 97 euros for the two of us. Oh, wow. It wasn't like crazy stupid. Like in the States, it probably would have been about 250 for the two of us. So it was very like, oh, this is pretty nice. We, we went by there as well. And uh, I just, you know, I had to turn my head because I do love food, but I don't love high right. prices. So I was like, ooh, can't do that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like I said, it was a gift. I probably wouldn't be there. I've been over at Otaberno. Uh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we did go the there. The $1 sign on the, uh, the trip advisor. <laughs> okay. So we're actually getting into kind of some lifestyle stuff. So we talked about you living on 1,800, let's pick a round number here, 2,000 euros. Yeah. What kind of lifestyle can someone live on that budget? Well, for us, we feel very comfortable. I mean, the lifestyle for us is the fact that we're out walking every day mm. and we grocery shop about every two days. It's a switching in lifestyle. It's not getting in the car and running someplace. Mm -hmm. uh, we experienced this was like lead up to here in Portland, Maine where you actually start to recognize and get to know the people in your community. So like if you're living in Porto, you're not going to live in all of Porto. That's right. Your living is going to take place in about a 10 to 15 minute walk radius. Mm. And that, and to me, that's a good thing because you start seeing the same faces. I mean, we know our butcher, we'll wave hi to him. He's got somebody working for him. The guy's name is Vito. We see him all over the neighborhood. You know, he's always like, hi, uh, we've got some friends down on the business uh, owners down on uh, Seda Feta that we may be just out for a walk and we'll stop in and say hi. And you don't get that in the States, I think. Even in the neighborhoods like in California, people come home, they go inside. Mm -hmm. They're not out walking around. You don't see anybody. But this lifestyle for us, that is probably the most healthy lifestyle that we could have. Is that something that gets us outside, walking around the community, connecting with people we know. When we got back from a recent trip, we stopped by Atasca, which is a restaurant down here in our Prasa. We know the waiters. I said to Kathleen, let's go over and just get a drink real quick. Before long, we had a plate of food in front of us. So I walked in and, uh, and Pedro and Fernando are hugging me. Where you been? You know, and it's, it's just to have that connection with people within a 10-month period is priceless. And so that's the lifestyle we have been shooting for is to be part of the neighborhood. Amazing. How's your understanding and mastery of the language? <laughs> and how was it when you showed up and how is it now? I think, I think my French is better than my Portuguese. <laughs> we, we were working on our language with an online course. It's called Memorize and it does work really well. We signed up. I've still got it. I've got my notebook where I was writing stuff down. Probably after this interview, I'll probably go pick it back up. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> but I'm very comfortable with it. I like the way they have locals pronouncing and saying things. They start out with basic words, and then you'll start getting into the sentences. 
and hopefully conversational Portuguese. Excellent. Yeah. Portuguese with Carla has a Memrise integration where she and Marlon do pronunciation on Memrise. Oh, nice. So it's like you're hearing your teachers pronounce these words that a lot of other people that just use the Memrise app will also hear. There's another resource that we've used too, Liz Sharman, Sharma. Talk the Streets. Talk the Streets. That's another one that's really good. When we went back to the States for a month, it really put us behind. But what we're doing right now, we've got some other expats that we meet with that we're going to join together into this course that's given at the local high school that we're going to buckle down and learn the language. And that's also for the residency permit uh, citizenship. Yeah. But I will say that one of the things that does complicate it is that the younger uh, I know what you're going to say people here all speak English. Yeah. And some of them, like several of our friends, speak three, mm. four, four languages: yeah. Spanish, French, yeah, French. <laughs> English. The the, the uh, young lady that waits on us at uh, Monica at uh, our hardware store. She speaks Spanish, French, English, and she's learning German. So, <laughs> of course she is. <laughs> of course she is. She says, "Well, I love languages." I said, "Yeah, you're just trying to embarrass me even more." Rub it in. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the key elements is being able to, when you go into a shop, it's custom in France that when you enter a shop or a cafe or whatever, you always say "bonjour." Mm -hmm. uh, you just don't go in and start looking at stuff. Mm -hmm. You always greet the, the shopkeeper. And, and you say uh, au revoir, you say goodbye when you leave. Mm -hmm. Same thing works here. You say bon dia, you pick up a few things like Tasia or Ataloxy later. You know, as long as you show interest in the, the people that you're approaching or that you're doing business with, they are the same way. They're, they're like lifelong friends. Mm. So, Well, a key thing that I wanted to touch on is going back to this idea of assimilation. Your idea of what lifestyle is has less to do with things that you can buy and experiences that you can buy, but more about relationships that you can have. Yes. And relationships you can have with other people, relationships that you can have with your wife, relationships that you can have with your health by walking around more and being more physically active. So I think that's massive. I think it's kind of a paradigm shift for many Americans who want to move here. So that's brilliant. I can't find peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> You can find peanut butter. It'll 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 be different. It. It'll be different. Don't worry, Americans. We find yeah. our peanut butter here. <laughs> Speaking of peanut butter, food and beverage scene in Porto. You guys love uh, eating out and trying different places. So tell us about the the food and bev in Porto. Definitely. Again, we stay pretty uh, within the neighborhood. Yep. And I think it was our second night here. We were down at a place uh, just a couple of blocks down. Process sixty three. I think it is. We started talking to the two young men that were waiting on us. Of course, they spoke English, and they introduced us to white port, which I had never had. Okay, yeah. And then they said, oh, if you want some other good, authentic Portuguese food, they listed several places off mm. for us, but they're all right here in the area. And then our own exploration is, what do Portuguese people eat? What mm. are the <laughs> foods here? So we asked our friend Clarice down at Patio das Marias, we said, where do we get Tripash. And she said, go to Old Rapidu. It's over by uh, Salvanto Station. We had to reserve a table for lunch, not because they're snooty, it's just because they're busy. Yep. And it was amazing. And so we've gotten recommendations on other restaurants from Clarice that we've gone to several times. For us, it was searching out some of the Portuguese dishes and finding those restaurants. There's another one over by you guys called 
uh, Tunis. Mm-hmm. And they have the shank of pork that mm-hmm. they bring out in their brown casserole with potatoes and carrots and cabbage. It's a uh, family dining. And the fact that you can get a bottle of wine, <laughs> a nice bottle of wine at a restaurant for like six euros. Mm-hmm. And it go really well with the meal. And and to give people an indication, uh, if you're if you're listening and you, you you need to capture a visual of the types of places that we're talking about, these are more mom and pop places. These are not places that have branding and marketing. You would probably right. walk by these places and not realize they are serving up fantastic food at very Portuguese prices, not international prices, not city prices. I think that's important. Yeah. You talked about Atunas. The one that we like in our neighborhood is Uburaku. Oh, see, we haven't been there. If you haven't been there, <laughs> you got to go to Uburaku for sure. Well, I think we're getting together for lunch next week. I mean, we're taking you to Porto, how do you say, 19? Disnov. Disnov, right. Yeah. And Sandra is the owner. Okay. We've been in there several times. And it's nice to walk in and she goes, oh, good to see you. We took a friend there the other day for lunch. We all got the Pratudia. Mm. And wine came with it. We got a bottle of wine to continue, and we all had dessert. It was like 28 euros for the three of us. Wow, okay. She has maybe eight tables in there. Oh, okay. Very intimate. Absolutely. Well, yeah. if someone's considering moving abroad, what would be your best advice to them? The first thing would be to look at downsizing. Okay. Then figure out what climate you like. Mm-hmm. Now, for us... This area, which has a change of seasons, basically for us from different places we've lived, where it gets hot in the summer and gets cold in the winter, this is like moving into a place that basically has spring and fall, which is great. And it gets wet, which is great. We fell in love with Galicia uh, when we walked the Camino through Spain. And those two areas overlap because it's a lot of the same cultural input yep. into this area. So we like that. We're not big beach people. We don't necessarily need to have it warm all the time so i would say figure out what climate you like and then zero in on that if somebody's doing a scouting trip i would say plant yourself in a place for a month and travel out from there but use that 30 days to attempt to get to know your neighborhood to see if you can get to a place where somebody that you go in to see calls you by your first name but um yeah, I think the first big thing is releasing a lot of stuff. Fortunately for us, we still do have some things, photo albums, odds and ends. We did narrow it down a lot, but that's with our kids. We got a spot that they had that we could put stuff. And so our plan is each time we go back, we'll get rid of a few more things. But we're pretty down uh, basic right now. So I think shedding yourself of all of the items that you've collected over a period of time is a good place to start. Nice. And then deciding what kind of climate you like, and like you and you talked about too. Do you like a small town? Do you do you like a, a bigger city? You mentioned Braga. Braga is great, but it's in the middle of the country, so it's going to get warmer there during the summer. Yeah, Braga has the highest percentage of air conditioning in homes in all of Portugal. Fun fact. But then, like Viana do Castelo, it's on the ocean, so you do get that nice ocean breeze in the evening. Yeah, absolutely. Who is Portugal not for? Vegetarians. <laughs> you <think>? Okay. <laughs> well, we've had a couple of people Overall, that, we've, yeah. Yeah, that we've talked to that, that I said, I don't know why you're coming here because <laughs> there's there's good meat. But I think Portugal Portugal is not for the non-adventurous. Mm. I think uh, putting yourself in a place of learning 
which means you have a lot more listening and a place of having the people in your new community, new country, be your teachers. Portugal is for somebody that wants to have a brand new adventure and wants to learn a lot of new things. And at Expats Everywhere, we believe that living abroad transforms lives. So how has living abroad transformed your life? For us, transformation would be experience a dream we've had for a long time. Mm. On another level, I think transforming my life, and I'm feeling like I'm connecting with my ancestors. Not that they're from Portugal. Most of mine came from Germany. But to connect with the fact that when they moved to the U.S., most of them had a few bucks in their pocket, but maybe a suitcase full of clothes. Mm. And so in some way, that's what we've done by coming back to the old country, is that we came with minimal material items and a budget that we wanted to stick with so we could feel comfortable with where we're living. And so it's kind of a, a reverse immigration. To me, that's one of the things that has transformed me. And living in a place that every time you turn left or right, it's like history, of not only physical history, but the history of people staring you right in the face. I'll never get over that. That'll always be something that, uh, you know, you, you say, man, how, how long has this wall been here? How, you know, how many people have put their hand on this wall? It's been here for centuries, for a millennium. And to me, there's nothing that's more exciting, either trying to imagine that or now being part of it. Amazing. So, Ross, how can our listeners find you and keep in touch? If anybody has interest in finding out more about living life here in Portugal, and particularly Porto, they can look at some of our posts on our continuing adventure, our YouTube channel. And feel free to email us at ourcontinuingadventure at gmail.com and we will connect. Ross, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity. So listener, we know that you are preparing to move to Portugal. We did everything ourselves for the D7 visa. So we have a DIY D7 course. We also have a DIY remote worker course now since they've split those up. And if you're already here, we have a living in Portugal course for you. Now, the difference between the D7 and the D8 or the Digital Nomad Visa course that you could get is if you have active income, you should be getting the Digital Nomad or D8 course. If you have passive income, you should be getting the D7 course. And we have a special promotion for anybody that is a listener of this podcast. If you type in podcast at checkout, you will get $15 off. So these will just guide you through exactly what you need. They stay up to date as things change. And once you purchase it, it's yours for life. So if you're not ready to go now, you can still get it and take a look and you can use it later on. And Kaylee is a mad lady and she is always updating the course so that it doesn't fall out of date. Well, I have to because they're always changing things and so it has to stay up to date. That's facts. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Let's Move to Portugal. Contact info for all the services mentioned are in the show notes. If you like the show, please subscribe. If you love the show, please tell a friend, connect with us on our socials, and if you want to help us out, give us a review on your podcast player. Expats Everywhere Presents Let's Move to Portugal is produced by Time or Money Productions. 
Expats Everywhere researches our guests, and we do our best to provide factual and relevant information at the time of the recording. Despite our best efforts, we can make no guarantees as to the accuracy of what you've heard in this episode. We highly recommend that you do your own research and check your own facts.